Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to episode number 82 of the Jersey Wall podcast. As always, I am your host, Mr. Nathan Santos. And with me, as always, Brethren FC Mina Gali, who, as always, is about to present to me his virtual background, which may or may not sway our bro discussion, uh, our bro talk segment, which always kicks off the show. Brethren, what you got for me? I think you're going to really like this one. So I'm just going to go ahead and reveal it without saying anything. All right. <laughs> See, these segments are so sick? great because the initial reaction is always from me, but I never know what you're going to do. And then the listeners are like, oh my God, what's he doing? <laughs> right? So if you're just listening to this, Mina is sitting under the tree in uh, Phineas and Ferb, the, the backyard. There's 104 yeah. days. So I was just going to ask you, of the, the days in summer yeah. vacation, what do you, well, you know, school comes along just to end it. So the annual problem of our, of our generation is finding a good way to spend it. Brethren, what are you doing for your summer vacation? I am going to Egypt after, uh, well, in July and August, and I will be eating all the Egyptian mangoes I want. Oh, look at you. Uh, you yeah. know what the thing is? How can I envy Egyptian mangoes when I've never had one, right? It's because I've built it up too much. You have. You know you've hyped they it. Always, they always live up. They always deliver? I mean, you, you do have some pretty, like, bad eggs in the basket, but... Yeah, you know. fair enough. Do you yeah. remember the time that I tried to convince you that mangoes didn't have pits? Yes, I know. <laughs> I've... Listen, I've been eating mangoes forever. <laughs> like, I, I literally told Nathan, Nathan, I've sucked the flesh off of a mango pit. Dude, for the like fact that you had told of my me that, lifetime. and I was still able to make you doubt yourself is what was so, like, I must be very compelling to be able to tell you, nah, brethren, they don't have pits. And you were like, it was like, like a 20-minute argument. I was like, like, no, I feel like I've they sucked do. the flesh off of them, man. Like, and I was like, dude, later, I don't like, know what to tell you. They don't have them. Because, because I genuinely thought that Canadians were importing, like, genetically manufactured seedless mangoes because you know how like you just import genetically like manufactured stuff like seedless grapes i was like do mangoes here because i've never thought about buying a mango in canada Uh, by the way i've always pick them up smell them they smell like nothing i know it's going to be terrible so so i never buy them here yeah when you buy them they're they're not ripe yet you got to let them ripen with the bananas for a few days and then they're very very good but to that point in my life i was a big mango fan i'd only ever eaten like bagged cut up diced mangoes Right. I had yet to experience like sucking the flesh <laughs> off of a mango. So I was like, yo, I'm not familiar with this process. And so when you were convinced me of that, I, you know, everybody will see the picture of how glorious do mangoes look when you cut them open, you see the inside. It's so mm. smooth. I'm like, wow, it's beautiful. Conversely, on the other side of that picture is the pit that I just, yes. nope, didn't occur to me. I was you, like, no, there's no way that it was cut in half. Yeah. I was just like, it's perfectly so was down like, the middle. And there's no, there's, I was going like, no Nathan, seeds. it's a fruit. It has to have a pit. <laughs> yeah. And I was, I wasn't having it. I was like, I don't know. I know there's no seeds on the outside, like strawberries, but in my head, yeah. there was some way that it had to have been growing. And I just didn't know how. So that, however, our little mango rant is actually not <laughs> our bro, <laughs> our bro talk discussion <laughs> of the day. By the way, props to you for having like very nice virtual backgrounds every week that thank you are like recognizable enough that I'm just like, yes, fuck, that's awesome. Bang it every time. Absolutely, man. And it always kicks off a discussion. Yep, always. And then for some reason, I don't know how we segue from Phineas and Ferb to Mangoes to what we're about to talk about, but it is Disney related. And I don't know if because you knew that you, you skewed it a little bit towards Disney, but our discussion of today, brethren, and listeners and viewers and everybody who's going to watch this. I recently watched the High School Musical Trilogy and the Camp Rock, uh, you know, one and two. What do you call it? What do you call those? 
Like when it's just one and two. Broke. Sequel? No, uh, the sequel duo. is just the second. Yeah, the duo, right? Like there's yeah, no... The duo. It's just incomplete, quite frankly. Um, and so we got to talk about this, bro. Camp Rock versus High School Musical. Oftentimes we have these segments and they're fun. We discuss things. But we have opinions that are that are factual, quite frankly. Which means if you have a different opinion... And they're strong. Not interested, well. right? Like yeah. it's not up for debate. That's the thing. We, it's a debate, but it's of fact, which you would think wouldn't be able to work. So anyway, when I present this to you and I say, brethren... Camp Rock duo, two movies. They don't even have a name. Versus the trilogy. Versus the trilogy of High School Musical. Dude, which one's better? Which one do you say? I'll say this. I'll say this. Overall movie, script, everything like that has to go High School Musical. However, soundtrack, I vibe to the Camp Rock soundtrack just slightly, slightly more. I have to ask you. I have to ask you. I have to ask you this. It's the overall soundtrack. I have to ask you this. What was the la- when was the last time that you actually watched Camp Rock? Uh, it was a few months ago. Few okay, that's too recent. That's too recently for it to even compare. Because dude, when I was watching the- with Leah, shout out Leah, the Camp Rock duo set of movies, Leah and I couldn't. We remembered maybe two songs from the second one, and the first one we're like, okay, yeah, you know, dude. Yeah, see, but they you were into the Jonas Brothers. I'm, as a I'm kid, sorry, no, you? listen, no, I wasn't. And Vanessa Hudgens owns my heart. Okay, but that had nothing to do with it. <laughs> The soundtrack of High School Musical, forget plot and everything aside, if you're to listen to just the CD versions, CDs, like we're old school, but I did listen to the CD versions with my sister in the backseat of my mom's car, by the way, it was had to be High School Musical, bro. There was one bad song in all three of those movies combined. Which one was that? I don't even like saying it, to be honest. If I had to tell you, brethren, what's the worst song of, of all three movies, which one would you say? I give you a hint. It's in the second one. Okay, ones. It's in the second. Yep. It's in the second one. Yeah, it has to be right. Mm-hmm. It's, is it the the one in the the swimming pool? Nope. It's the one that's called. Oh, I don't even want to say it. We're gonna lose listeners, dude. It's that tiki one. Oh, okay. You remember that one on the dude? Honestly, that she performed with Ryan. But that's what I mean. Is it is it the one where she's like spinning around on a line? Nah, or bro. That's like fabulous. That? Fabulous banks. That's not okay, fabulous. Yeah, that's fabulous. Yeah. It's the it's the song called and I. Apparently, my sister told me this is an actual type of fish, which I didn't know. Humu, humu, nuku, nuku, apua. <laughs> the longest song title that there's ever been. I don't know if there was a character limit on limited, on naming songs back then. That's you know zero, right? It's way too long. Okay, that song was garbage, complete trash. The whole rest of every movie soundtrack, top to bottom, banks every single one it, of them. It speaks for itself that that I can't remember it. Right, like I can't. I generally can't remember. Well, that. and this is this is kind of my point about Camp Rock. I'm watching it with Leah, and I'm thinking, yo, like I, I have nothing against the Jonas Brothers. By the way, Nick Jonas, a young stud, I might add. The yeah. glow up in the second one, the man's handsome himself. Objectively, exactly. This man glow up 100 percent, thousand percent, even. <laughs> but watching these two movies, watching the choreography, watching like listening to this to the soundtracks uh, the choreography and, and choreography was terrible. In Camp the Rock. only thing I'm thinking is I'm watching. I'm thinking, yo, why didn't Camp Rock hire Kenny Ortega? Because Kenny Ortega had the High School Musical <laughs> series just absolutely slapping, and no one was disputing that, right? Dude, the the choreography for Joe Jonas when he was really angry in the first one for teaching dance that was so bad. It was Awful. so cringy. Yeah, I was like, what the, what the hell is this? Yes, the whole movie I felt was very corny. But even the songs, I didn't find yeah. like re-listening to them. I didn't think were great. Now, obviously, we did in previous episodes the Greatest Showman. Why is Zach Efron a running theme on our, on our show? Damn it, Zach! It's the benchmark. It's the benchmark, right? Puts on a hell of a show, man. I think it's this. because it reminds us of High School Musical. 
Yeah, probably. But we rank the songs there. I don't even think we yeah. could. I mean, we could try, but that'd, that'd be a discussion for another day. You'd we have to go movie for movie. Yeah. You, you you'd couldn't have to. rank the, the trilogy. You'd have to split it into movies. Okay. If you had to do like overall soundtrack, like one song to represent each movie, would you be able to? Is it? No. I don't, mm, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if you could. Because, maybe. yo, I'd have to, I wouldn't be able about, to do it off the cuff, though. No, I know. It, it would require some serious discussion. As, as good as we are off the cuff and improvising and crap. Like these, these are very serious discussions and these serious yeah. discussions deserve serious responses. Yeah, absolutely. I think the only reason I, I kind of relate to the, um, to the Camp Rock soundtrack a little bit more is because I was a big, jo- uh, I was a big Jonas Brothers fan. Naturally. Okay. I watched of the course, Jonas bro, TV show. Yep. I used to play guitar. We I was like, did. Kevin was my favorite because I always like wanted to play guitar and stuff like that. Cause you're the quiet but one. I am the quiet one. Mm-hmm. I'm, of course. You're Kevin. Um, I'm also not, I, I'm not stupid like kevin though so just, <laughs> as they painted him that. to be yeah kevin yeah kevin was really dumb in yeah that. <laughs> that's fair um but yeah i think that's the reason but overall like absolutely if i had to take my bias out of it high school musical soundtracks like slaps every single time bro top to bottom it's just so much better yeah. now young demi lovato that's a singer man she was a singer she could sing i know yeah. we're watching that i was like tell you what man she got them pipes she can really yeah, lay out a good show. To the, uh, to the Joe Rogan podcast with her on. I haven't listened to it yet. I haven't listened to it yet. But you know what? I believe it. Yeah. Because yeah. now she's a grown up, right? She has her own story. Yes. She has everything. But you know no, what? Absolutely. And she's a grown up at 28, by the way. Like she's 28 years old. She's been through so the She's ringer. gone through all of the stuff yeah. that she's gone through at 28 years old. And honestly, when, when you listen to the podcast, she talks about like her dad. Uh, abusing her mom and we'll mm. get off that because because this isn't the type of show it's not that show but i yeah. was like what no way because Madness. she explains something that he did and i couldn't I, I couldn't believe it i was driving i was like what that's crazy <laughs> young mitchy from yeah, camp well, rock was dealing with some real yeah. big things at home meanwhile just co- yeah like her bangs. mom being that's how you know whenever you see camp- a girl with bangs you know she's going through some <laughs> I don't know. dude i i can't I don't believe how how degrading they made like cooks become like oh, like dude. just caterers i, I like, know she's a caterer <laughs> what do you mean she what's feeds wrong you? with that for a whole summer camp bro i tell you what master chef nate pulls up on camp rock which is in filmed in canada free. i might add hey you're gonna be bragging if you know master chef nate. if you know the cook 100%. you're gonna be saying yo yeah that's my freaking dad absolutely and i'm like yeah 100 bring out the frying pan cooking for everybody <laughs> mm. Just burgers every day. That's what I want to be when 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 all this COVID crap uh, is done. I want to have a nice potluck, except I cater it. I cater the pot. I'm not right? going to sit inside. Which defeats the it, purpose. Unless it's raining. No, we don't have to be inside. I just want to make, like, I want to yeah. create my, because you know I got my recipe book, right? That I create. On top to bottom. My top 10 recipes, including the shareables, everything. And just chugging your nice glass of milk, naturally. Dude. Milk is Wait so underrated. You know what, you and I, You and I drink milk all the time. Yep. Just straight up milk. Yo, you don't get and to people be. People find that really weird. You don't get to be six three, two twenty five without chugging a few cows here. You know what I mean? Got milk, get a whole new saying. I mean, I am not six three. You don't drink as much milk as I do. I it's do. It's the milk. That's the thing. It's the milk. You know, you know who else loves milk? Who? And shout out to Rogi because Rogi loves milk. So Naturally. the three of us are the like the milk trio. Yep. Yes. The dairy boys. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man. God forbid, knock on wood, haven't broken a bone yet. Me neither. That's that's true. Bro, never find cal- uh, calcium deficiencies here. Not in our Neither bones. Neither is Ruggie, by the way, now that I think of it. Not in these bones. Too no. strong. We're too strong for this. Anyway, do we get... We're a little off topic, but I still feel like this bro segment's a little bit light. I want to ask, and we'll wrap the bro segment, ironic name for the, the nature of this segment, with what we're talking about today. 
if you had to pick one song from each of the high school musical movies as your favorite one, like not even, you don't even have oh, to think God. about it. Just think, okay, what's my favorite song? Like the one that I'm like, yeah, this one bangs. What would it be? Well, okay. First one. Bet on it for sure. Jumps to mind. hundred uh, percent. And the second one. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. That like, there's no Still way. to this day when I go on walks and I go on long walks, man, I've just like, I, I walk through <laughs> the, whenever I'm wearing all black in particular, I got my black golf shirt on and my, my black shoes. I'm like, oh, I'm ready. I'm tearing it up. Of course. Of course, dude. I was like, full that's the, old, that's the, the most interesting thing to ever happen on a golf course, by the way. <laughs> right? Am 100%. I Am I wrong? Absolutely. Am I wrong? There you go. Yep. Did you try to recreate it as a kid? Because I absolutely always did. Bro, if I, on, on a putt-putt course. At Shirkston Shores putt-putt <laughs> course on a golf course, just sitting there. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. When, every time, even to this day, I look in a puddle. Splash the water, storm away. I'm not going to stop. <laughs> what about from the first one? I feel like the first and third from ones, you probably have to one, pick some duets, right? Yeah, you, you have to. I'm, I'm just looking at the soundtrack here because I need the, I need the names, oh, right? Because I'm, yeah, not, yeah. I'm just right. not going to sing it. Um, going to break the internet. Breaking Free is a classic, yeah, of cool. course. Um, Shout I, out I mean, Drew Seeley, by the way, because we can't even pick a, a, a Zac Efron song in that because he didn't, he didn't sing in that movie. No, yeah, he didn't sing it. You know? I was devastated as a kid. I'm Me like, too. what do you mean? Yep. Yeah. What what do you have one in mind as I look through Breaking these? Free? Oh, for sure. Breaking Free. Breaking Free yeah, moved it me. It must be, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you think about when you rewatch as a kid, that seems like it's the big performance. Dude, that was the callback that they did all that stuff for. Like yes. that wasn't even the spring musicale or the winter nope. musicale. That was just the callback. <laughs> that was the audition. Say musicale one more time. Bro, it's the musicale. That's how you pro- <laughs> that's how it's pronounced. <laughs> okay. That's how that it's not the musical. It's high school musical. It's not high school musicale, but it's the spring musical yes do you know what i actually will say that um high school musical 3 had a lot of good songs the third one it oh, actually good. did read yeah. me read me like, now that soundtrack. i look at it Gotta now we're never uh right here right now i want it all now we're never is that one guys. where you had where where that's yeah, the very where, dramatic where she, so dramatic Troy! <laughs> Troy! yeah that's yeah, the most dramatic c- cinematic history ever <laughs> yes it's so extra um, just want to be with you boys are back woke away a night to remember like scream all, all yeah, yeah they banged I'd, I'd have to go with scream though again yeah bro with, the zach efron the, you, zach you know efron, like zach efron yeah. and vanessa hudgens each got their ballads in these type in these movies and they, they nailed them they crushed them man yeah of course well done well done to all involved <laughs> i enjoyed it yep all right does that have to wrap bro talk i feel like it does i feel like for those who are still with us so. who who yeah. join us purely for the footy of it all we got something in store for you guys today too. Yes, of course. And I don't like to go from zero to a hundred, but now I feel like I'm going from a hundred to zero because I have to totally flip from a very happy and light discussion to something very, very heavy. Brethren, I don't even think I can say it. I have to pull up, you know, can you just, can you introduce it for me, please? All right. Well, uh, similarly to what happened to me a few years ago when Wayne Rooney left the club, um, Nathan asked me to write a piece about Wayne Rooney uh, to post on his on that was his cool man still you remember there, when i, I did that yeah bro nsvsports.com yeah. i wrote i got you i got graham i got a few manchester united friends who i know to write a, a parting words to your club legend none of them none of them made it justice just like mine uh except for mine so oh dude yeah yours, yours right was a problem sorry guys one. yeah sorry guys full respect to all of your other friends that were man united fans but yeah nah, that yours was better I, for I sure to, i have to take that one for I sure take that one um, so yeah, I, I wrote a tribute to Wayne Rooney, and I think this is similar, uh, in, in similar fashion, a much, you know, more mature Nathan Santos, a much more, you know, uh, 
poetic yeah. Nathan Santos. <clears throat> I want to read out a little bit of a tribute to club legend Sergio Aguero. Yeah. Namesake of his future son. Don't worry, I got I got lots to say about it. So in in the way that I that I know best, I wrote a spoken word uh, about Sergio Aguero. And I get a little emotional reading it, to be honest. For those who don't know, Sergio Aguero released a statement today saying that when his contract expires at the end of the season, uh, he will officially be parting ways with the club. That being said, uh, allow me to, if you will, indulge me for a moment Take here. Take it away. Take to it away. My, my spoken word for Sergio Aguero. A new era begins. A changing of the guard, a shifting of the tide, the last of that era establishing relevance worldwide. Sergio now leaves, and this is my tribute to you, the greatest ever player to put on the sky blue, the best foreign striker to ever grace the league, causing defenders night terrors. They're exhausted with fatigue. Aguero, my 10, my 16, the memories plenty. The greatest moment of my life came at 93-20. Injury prone, but record shattered the same. You helped bring the club such fortune and fame. We'll remember the good times. You're a centurion god. 257 goals for us, but only one golden boot, and that seems kind of odd. A decade in England, and it's been trophies galore. It was your era, and we have you to thank for. David, Vinny, Yaya have all come and gone, and as you slip through our fingers, we try to hold on, but the future is bright. We're in good hands. With you on the pitch, always full were the stands, and full were our hearts. This poem's for you. And as an added bonus, my son's name will be Sergio too. <laughs> Thanks for the memories. You've given all that you had. But you leaving the club makes my heart oh so sad. On to the next challenge. I know you're quite the streamer. Thank you for enabling me to be such a dreamer. And in this, the last dance, now it's our turn for you to get that big trophy and drape it in Manchester blue. One With one last kick marks the final goal bringing home the missing piece. The Champions League completes my soul. You've made City proud. Thank you for all you've done. All hail the Argentine. All hail King Kun. Dude. That was beautiful. That was that was beautiful. Get a little emotional reading that, to be honest. I actually, you know, I, I, I can't relate to being a City fan, but that was beautiful. I, I know what it means to have your top goal scorer ever leave the club. I'm going to uh, to record like a proper one of those and then um, yeah, and tweet it at him and at Man City and <laughs> and let's see let's see what happens because he, he'll be like okay because he true. can't speak English. Oh, 100 yeah, exactly. No, I know he won't. But when it's translated <laughs> to him, I mean, yo, I'll I'll, I'll write one. I've Do been doing Duolingo for 321 yeah. days. I'll Do have you know. Spanish. I probably know more Spanish than Aguero knows English. <laughs> so, dude, hundred percent. You There's know what no I mean? Doubt in my mind that that's true. I don't think he doesn't speak very much English and I have his jersey no. right here. Yes, oh, you do. It's emotional. It's hard to talk about, but I have to push through it because we have a hell of a show today, but I just want to talk about just briefly. Thank you. Yes. That poem is pretty nasty. Uh, I can't wait to share it with, <laughs> with some city fans. I feel like they're going to be like, dude, that was pretty, that was pretty nasty. But before we even get to what we're supposed to talk about on today's show, which is um, really an update on how international break is going and, and some of the world cup qualifiers, I just, I just want to say a few words about Aguero, if you wouldn't mind. And it's Go crazy, man, because I know you understand this, and I know footy fans worldwide, especially ones who are, you know, hardcores of a certain club. 
it, it's really like it it cuts deep when when something happens and, and you know like losing a you know we lose the derby and you and i won't talk for a couple hours and then if you guys lose the derby we won't but then we'll come back to it right but it's because they'll run it back right we're always gonna we're gonna play the derby forever right when we have a legend who's at the club that player's days are are numbered with the club right they won't be there forever which means you just have to try to enjoy every moment of them being there and aguero as great as he was to see he has like 300 something appearances but he was injured for a lot like the records that he could have set if he had stayed fit are are insane and even now like He's obviously on the tail end. I don't blame him for wanting to leave. Obviously, he still feels like he has more to contribute. Probably go to MLS, to be honest. But he's so injury-prone throughout his career. And the older he gets, the longer it would take for him to get back to form once he came back. And now it just... City's evolved past a system that can have an aging Aguero because it just it doesn't work anymore. But it still hurts just the same, man. Like, when even when Giovinco left TFC, and he was there for way less time, right? Aguero's a way bigger... Yes. Aguero is a way bigger Man City legend. Yeah, there's levels. Then Giovinco is levels. a TFC legend, but the TFC they cut deep, dude. When Giovinco, whose jersey I also <laughs> have here, when he left TFC, I was devastated, and Leah didn't understand why. I was explaining to her. She's like, "Okay, but so like, what about all these other players?" I'm like, <laughs> "You don't get it, but you get it." Listen, I do. King Khan. I feel like that was my tribute to you, and that's that's mostly what I wanted to say. But you know, it it looks like City probably have a wrap on this year, which means that we will in his era in the 10 years since he's since he's been here won five out of 10 premier leagues you know and probably yeah pretty damn good right and considering all the domestic silverware otherwise be it from efl for fa cup you know pushing for champions league this will be his last this will be the last shot right otherwise even if city wants to win it type of situation that's it man so king Kun, what are you gonna do about it oh and (laughs) uh honestly if nothing else just thanks for everything Kun, man I'm getting emotional. We got to move on. It was, it was beautiful. Other stuff. Let me go back to 100. Listen, now you know how it feels. I do. Throw back I know. To well, like listen, I, in Mina. consecutive years, I've lost Yaya, my captain, Vincent Company, Company. David Silva, and now Aguero. In four, like back to back to back to back years. The Mount Rushmore has fallen for Man City. And listen, those are, I have them on my laptop stickers. These are my boys, right? These are the, the goats of the club, like in the modern era in particular. And, they will always be there uh, in my heart. But every time one of us is like, oh, man, like, damn, when company left, I was like, yeah. When Yaya the worst thing like, is you Dude. can see it coming and it still hits you. Yep. You know it's going to come. That's why, and you know, my friend I was talking to him today, he's like, oh, well, at, the, at least City will probably get Holland. I'm like, that's one hell of a silver lining. <laughs> that's one <laughs> hell of a silver. You're, yup, that's you're like, right. You're correct. I'm just not ready to move on yet. <laughs> like 100%. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But, Thank you. Uh, yeah, and dude, we have to get Holland now. Like, this is Aguero yeah. telling Holland, here, you can have my number 10 too. Come on in, dude. Would you give up on signing Holland if you no. get Joao Felix? You bastard. This is a quick, if you were asking Alex, <laughs> Alex might say yes. Re- Alex yeah. might say yes. I, no, because I need the answer to Man City's problems, and that's Erling Holland. Um, okay. It, it's very, very hard for me to resist the temptation of Joao Felix because I would kill to see him play in that city. Dude, lineup. another po- like another guy from Atletico. Yeah, the story is there. Narrative FC loves boots. that, right? The last time that young port, a young uh, striker from Atletico Madrid joined uh, City, it worked out pretty well. However, Joao Felix is a very, very different type of player, and we don't have the wingers for it, not right now. The answer to City's problems is Erling Holland. So, 
Erling Holland's <laughs> got to be my guy. Now, in a scenario where somehow you can get the next up on the list, if especially apparently um, FIFA are considering eliminating FFP to introduce Dude, that's a new thing. the stupidest decision I've ever heard in my well, life. Well, the thing is, and what you have to remember is, keep this in mind. It doesn't even exist. Yes, but also <laughs> City's transfer policy, they've never spent more than like 68 mil on a player, right? They just will yeah. often go out in chunks and get 50 million pound players and bring them in, right? Yeah, but they won't go, go spend on individual. Yeah, players. we're not spending freaking... Now, are you going to buy Holland for 180 mil? Absolutely, 100%. This is what they've been waiting for. But, isn't your uh, record Cancelo? Sorry to cut you off that. No, no, it's, I think it was it's it? Diaz technically because okay. he's the most recent one, which I think like the, the book's kind of you know balanced out at around at 50 something but it was otamendi who benfica bought for 15 and they sold us um they sold us ruben diaz for 70 70 yeah. so the value worked out to being about 55 which is a bargain but on paper it was 70 uh the thing is city will have to smash that transfer record to get holland it's just even if we don't then go buy other players for quite some time that's fine this is what needs to be done and so it's like just Pool, pool your money. Make it so. I will, I'll contribute to the cause. I will donate but do you, the little money that I have to making it happen. Here's, here's my question to you. Do you wait on signing Holland this year no. so you can get him for 17 next year? No, because I'm not convinced other clubs are going to wait. And I'm not taking the chance on waiting out. I'm thinking like City are going to offer. Yeah, like maybe Bayern, maybe Chelsea, maybe United. Bayern like, are like waiting another year extra maybe for Real Madrid. to age. And yeah, pick right? Like maybe Real Madrid. Like I'm sure there'll be no shortage of rivals for Holland this summer. And if City have a chance to get him, you get him, period. And honestly, like Dortmund set the price tag at 180. I wonder what kind of offers they can expect. And if, because I feel like they're not in a position of leverage, which leads me to believe that no. he might actually go for less than that, like in the 150 range. But let's say City offer like, a hundred and and a, and a player who is you know in that kind of category maybe they do maybe city tell Dorman yo and this would probably work with Dorman we'll eliminate the sell-on clause that you guys have for Jaden Sancho uh so yeah. it, when you sell him you don't because we city would own 15 percent of that transfer or something? it would be 15 percent okay. so whatever he goes for city would get 15 percent if city forfeit that then that's a leverage point for Dorman so like the stars kind of a lot and city need to get it done period Dortmund are in big trouble. Eh? They might not make it into the Champions League. God. They like they have buyers for both Sancho and Holland. I know. Two players. I know. Changing managers. <laughs> That's what you get. Marco Rose. I know. It's <laughs> it's a tough spot. Um, however, they are kind of... It's hard it to look at happen. Dortmund and say like... Because when you look at a club as being in trouble, what does that mean? Like it means that they're on the verge of what? Well, it depends what Dortmund's objectives are. Dortmund have showed us, especially in the last five, six years, their objective is to foster an environment for young up-and-coming players who want to take the next step in their career but aren't ready for the really really top level and then they will make them better and and sell them on for that price they're not going to try to hold on to anybody longer than they want to be there and then they're going to make stupid amounts of money so as a as a system that's hella sustainable because they'll make fucking 250 mil this summer and then they can go out yeah. and spend you know a fifth of for that sure. on new players and then in two years sell them all for so I don't think they're in trouble in that sense because I would trust that their prospects are only going to get better. But yeah, Dortmund are a club who wants to be competing in the Champions League. The problem is if you continually sell your superstars and don't let them establish yeah, you themselves you there, yeah. you can't do both. You can't right? do both. You have it's to pick one. Because the other clubs around them are not trying to do that. They're trying to compete for those yeah. Champions League spots. And not to mention, Dortmund will probably not be able to do the same kind of 
thing if they're not in the Champions League. Because if I'm yeah, a young player who's like 18, 19, who wants to take that next step from somewhere that's in Germany, the, somewhere outside of Europe's top five leagues, but kind of looking in, I want to play for Dortmund. You now go to Leipzig. I'll, maybe, right? Like I want to go play for, for a high level club in Germany who can give me Champions League experience and show myself on, on a big stage, but yeah, not necessarily. Yeah, well, bro, the kids are getting so freaking good. Remember we talked about this in one of the other episodes. Like kids are like 15 and they're like, I need first team football. Like, no, (laughs) you don't get to make that call. You just signed your first professional contract. Like it used to be the U23s. Think about the longevity of of players' careers now where they're like 18 and they're world-class. And you're like, okay, this is just absurd. Like Ansu Fati. And you're like, dude, what the hell is going on? Social media exposure plays a big part in that. For sure, yeah. For sure. And I think it's just that the younger they get, like the younger everyone gets. So if right. everything's looking younger, then it's it's not like you're playing against, you know, a player who's twice your age because maybe the an old player is a 26-year-old. And you're, you know, yeah. 20 and you're like, dude, like, you know, yeah, you're yeah, just yeah. about to enter your prime, right? Like maybe I look good against you because you haven't even hit your full potential yet yourself, right? True. Which is also terrifying. Because if we look at 20-year-olds who are terrifying players who are about to enter their prime you think well shit how good are they gonna be when they get to that level yeah you know what i mean yeah Yeah, i know we've had we've had one season wonders before and and you never know injuries can happen the wrong move can happen wait who are you who are you suggesting this about are you insinuating like somebody in particular being like a one season wonder no someone in particular but we've seen the hype that that came up with like luka jovic for example Mm. um just as well um, shout out to my Polish gang. Yeah, I was gonna say, bro, how that. Polish are you gonna say that? Like, you just tried to sneak it in, super Polish. Like, bro, Krzysztof Jatik. Like, okay, dude. <laughs> All right, we get it. You're Polish. <laughs> you took a university course. Wow, man. Exactly. But no, yeah. Listen, Piatek, But know. the thing is, Piatek at I mean. that at that time wasn't 19. He was all. He was like 25. Right. He was just like, oh, dude. Like maybe this guy's coming into his own. I don't think that the young crop coming up are looking like like flops because it's because you're like well no but they seem class it takes a long time like you're talking about them five years from now they still won't be in their prime they still will be like four years away from i know it's so crazy so so you have to just wait and and like that's what i don't like about social media right now they keep hyping up these players and and i'm just saying like guys relax give them they're playing well just give them the time they need to develop and actually just grow into their frames like just stop Hit and stop puberty. Knowing like you haven't, they haven't finished puberty yet. Knowing your allegiance, I feel like this is kind of laced in a Mason Greenwood undertone, where not he really. is kind of not really. because Greenwood. And I'm not. I, I'm with you. Like I think he's. I think he's nasty. Right? You remember him last season? People were like, "Dude, yeah. this guy's going to be like the greatest finisher ever because he scores literally everywhere he <laughs> is." Shot. And then yeah. he hasn't been doing that, so it's like always oh, trash. Why is he tra- he's like 19 and he's still finding his feet and we've seen what he can do so they're just automatically mm-hmm. writing him off or Joao Felix oh well he's got to play left back for Atletico Madrid so he's not the player that we thought he was yeah he's playing 100%. left back for Atletico yeah. Madrid go watch our rebuild episode we'll tell you how to make him a superstar <laughs> we figured it out exactly yeah so so and, and, I mean it's not because of the Mason Greenwood thing I've seen it a lot at United I've I've seen it a lot because we are a team that constantly puts young players into the first team, like the hype we had with people like Makeda, Januzaj, even Danny Welbeck to a, to a point, like you have to wait because some of these people can look class 
Mm. Whether it's in the academy, whether it's in the little um, the little cameos they get in the first team. Yeah, some of them are some of them are duds. Some of them are the real deal. It's the unfulfilled potential, but that's devastating. Yeah, exactly. Like because bro, do you remember? And he's actually good. Adnan Yanuzai, like dude. Listen, Yanuzai uh, under David Moyes. He I had expectations. Yeah, dude. Like he had these yeah. expectations of just being like the next biggest thing that there was ever going to be. And then yeah. I remember like people were, I remember because we were sitting in the cafeteria, we were in high school. And I remember people talking about it like, dude, he's eligible. Because remember, he was eligible for England, Belgium, Croatia. Like he was el- eligible for Bosnia a whole bunch of nations. Yeah. yeah. And they were like, dude, he has to pick this. Like that'd be the sickest thing for the country. And now, like Belgium will call him up as a, like a reserve right winger, but they're like, dude. This dude's like yeah. bang and he average got given, at best. Like Giggs's number and stuff, and and then oh yeah, Van Gaal came in I and he was like, forgot. okay, you started bombarding him with all these tactics because a little bit of insider info. He like David Moyes would just be like, he would just give the team talk and be like, Adnan, go have fun. That that was the team talk for him. And then Louis oh, really? Van Gaal came in, super technical, and he was just like. His brain malfunctioned. My philosophy. I have no idea what to do with this information. Yeah, literally. Uh, yeah, and was like, dude, I don't know how to pass laterally, but if that's all yeah, I'm going to do, then I exactly. guess I'm won't, won't. And that's what happens, exactly. right? Now, yeah, so this guy was nasty. And you have to, that's why I'm saying you have to wait because I've, we've seen these false dawns before. I've enjoyed every second of this discussion, but none of it has to do with what we were supposed to talk about, which was, uh, but you know what? I, I don't care. It's fun organic, though. Yeah, it is organic. It's fun nonetheless. I don't even know what time we started. So this episode could be super, super heavy. <laughs> and uh, I won't, I won't know. Cause do you, do you know what time we started recording? 5.30 ish. All right. Okay. Just cause I don't know how far we into the show. Like this could have been two hours. I wouldn't have known. It felt like 10 minutes and I'm like, <laughs> wait, when did we start recording? I actually have no idea. Um, all right. So let's, let's actually talk about what we're supposed to talk about here. And I'm sure a lot of what we've just mentioned will come up one way or another. Um, we want to talk about the international, the world cup qualifiers. And you know how I'm going to kick this off brethren. It's 2021 (laughs) and we're playing in a qualifying tournament for the biggest competition on planet earth for sports, the world cup. There is nothing bigger. This is what planet earth has to offer so much so that there is actually a golden (laughs) planet earth wrapped inside the trophy itself, dude. I got, I got my qualms with Portugal. I got my, my qualms with the Portuguese national yeah. side, okay? Believe me. We're, I want to talk about Azerbaijan. I want to talk about Serbia. But I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm going to start with what the hell the point is. You got to be, you got to be kidding me. You got to be <laughs> kidding me. I'm going to get it. Portugal, I'll get to you, okay? Because I have things to say to you specifically. But I don't even know who to be mad Speaking at. But is it nation. the ref? Is it UEFA? Is it who... I will give you a goddamn GoPro to tape on the crossbar. There is no reason why in 2021 we don't have goal line technology. The stadium's not equipped for VAR. That's fine. People are, are, are back and forth about VAR being there anyway. But goal line technology? Two sensors. Put a piece of string. If what it year the is string it? And the string breaks. Yeah, that's string. string. You know breaks. what the string is called? That's it. The goal line. And it yep. crossed it fully and we all saw and the yeah, ref's like no it did and people it was it was a frank lampard versus germany situation it was exact do you remember what year that happened in 2006 1940 yeah 2006 but it feels like a thousand years ago yeah. like it was 1940 because yes that's exactly right par down and it went in and we see on the replay and the ref's like nope 
And listen, VAR is one thing. Goal line technology. And you're talking about European countries too. You're not playing in like... This is for the World Cup qualifiers. This is not some rinky-dink tournament about whatever. This is the World Cup... I couldn't I couldn't believe it. Can you tell I'm still not over it? So I listen, you've been talking about this for days now. How could I I can't get over it because I'm furious. <laughs> the thing is, people were they were saying, Oh, you know, what Ronaldo did was uncalled for. Was, he shouldn't have done that. Bro. I would have done the exact same thing. I would have whipped that fucking captain's band right at the referee's face and taken my sending off. <laughs> Just, yeah, fling it back. Let him hit it right in the eyes. Cause what's it gonna matter? He doesn't have him any doesn't need his eyeballs anyway. That was pathetic. Now Portugal's display, also trash. Also trash. Portugal are bad. Portugal are trash. You, I love me some <laughs> Portugal, okay? Brendan Dunlop, and I clearly, really clearly, Fernando Santos doesn't listen to the jersey wall. Because no, Brendan Dunlop and I, we figured it out. We figured it out. We told him, bro, this is what Portugal got to do at the Euro this summer. Do you think it, leading up to a tournament like the Euro this summer... Portugal should use similar lineups in their World Cup qualifiers. The one to the ones that you made? To, no, no, no. Just to the ones that they'll be using. Like, wouldn't you say? You'd probably say it's no. probably smart that to give the team some not. chemistry. You'd probably want yeah. them to have the same squad, more or less, in the World Cup qualifiers as you would for the Euro. Because realistically, it's what two, three months away. So these players yep. are they really going to get much better or worse? No. This is no. pretty much the same crop that it's going to be. That's going to be going to hundred uh, percent. You know, to, to Europe this summer. So, the fact that Portugal and Serbia are formidable opposition. I'm not trying to shit on them. By the way, twenty three out of twenty four people in Serbia squad, including the head coach, his last name and an itch. Did you know that? <laughs> Did you know? Wait, that was the that was the Croatia situation in in the 2018 World Cup. Did all? Yeah, dude. It was it was just like Lovren and and I think Vida. Was there was Vida. one. Like there was one yeah. Serbian player, and it, it's it ended in like. LDJ or something like that. I don't know how to pronounce it, but every other player, including out. the coach, was itch, 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 itch. And I was like, dude, it's like the Iceland situation where every player's Udeli. last name is Son. Yeah, Colson, exactly. Son of Cole. <laughs> <laughs> but I couldn't believe it. But anyway, they played in the first half. It was really the tale of two halves. The first half, Portugal were. I don't want to say lethargically so, winning, but really like comfortably, like okay, like it's going to be one of those games, cruising. whatever. Even if it, yeah, yeah. cruising to, to to say the least, right? And that's no no disrespect to Serbia because Serbia in the second half said, "Hey, they're cruising against us. I bet they're going to come out thinking that the second half is going to be the same. Let's light them on fire." And they did right away. <laughs> and then Portugal were like, "Damn, now what?" And then you know, twenty ish minutes later or so, a perfect counter. I was, no. And I was shocked. Do you know why I was shocked that Portugal got hit on the counter? Why were you shocked? Ruben Diaz does not get counterattacked. He knows all about some counterattacks from his experience over in Manchester. And, and we still got counterattacked? And I'm like, okay. First of How all, come? Anthony Do Lopez is in that. That's my boy. That's my boy. All right? I said Anthony Lopez deserves a net. It wasn't his fault. Neither of them. The Portugal squad has big, big issues to figure out when it comes to the selecting their best 11. And the fact is that it's talent-rich enough that you can probably – you know, alter the 11 every few days if you don't want to overwork certain players. I get that. But there has to be some consistency in the squad because when there's no chemistry in the squad, they play like that. So against Azerbaijan, their first game together, Portugal had, I don't actually know, I don't have the stats in front of me, 
but created a thousand chances and, and scored one. And it was from an own goal. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Like, I usually like when yep. Portugal play those higher profile teams because Portugal are better playing against teams that come to play than they are having to break down teams that are really just there to not lose. Mm-hmm. But Bruno Fernandes is familiar with that. He knows all too well. Hey, buddy, so I got to break Bernardo down some Silva. teams. So does Bernardo Silva. Exactly. He's like, dude, I got to break down these teams, these small teams, because otherwise we're not. They're just here to. So I'm like, well, we're creating chances. Why the hell aren't we finishing? Like, yeah. what's going on? Like, why are we waiting until there's only three minutes left to bring on Joao Felix? You need a goal like you score. don't have a prolific striker up to it, it literally. And dude, for the second game, I think that was <laughs> one of the bigger problems. In the game against Serbia, Ronaldo looked so tired like it just looked like age had caught up to him especially in the second half Mm -hmm. where he was just like perpetually just standing still and the dude's a freak athlete don't get me wrong but i don't know if it was that he played back to back 90 minutes and he's 36 but i'm like dude he you can't you can't do that right like yeah and then in the last minute of the game he scores it which is why you leave him on there of course and we don't have goal line technology so it's ruled off it's it's really stupid to be honest it's ridiculous what would you do? How would you pick the midfield? Because I think the midfield is the most problematic part of Portugal's lineup. Well, what did what I say the that? midfield was in the in the Dunlop episode? I, I think, think I had Danilo. Danilo, Ruben Diaz, and Bruno at camp. And Bruno, yeah. I think so. That's it. Ruben, Ruben Neves. Well, who did I say? Diaz? Ruben Diaz. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ruben Diaz, obviously, an anchor at the Ruben back. Diaz playing CDM. Also, bro, let him. Plays everywhere he wants. <laughs> the other thing is that I selected Pepe in my ideal Portugal lineup, and, and um, I, I guess he's retired from international duty. I just... That's such a loose term in footy, right? So, like, I'm not like, yeah. so what, dude? There's lots of us retired. I don't need you exactly. I don't need you to go play in all the qualifiers. But when the tournament comes around, Pepe, listen, buddy, you're the second best defender that we've got. Okay, you need to bring yeah. that kind of leadership and experience. And maybe he can't play every three days, and that's fine too. But he's a guy, right? He's a solid. He's a solid dude. I would say Portugal's midfield. Some games. They're playing in like a 4-3-3 that's very attack-minded with Ronaldo up top and then Jota and Bernardo. That's what it was in, in the second game uh, against Serbia. It's just that in the second half when you're getting just run through on the counter and then you're like, cool, let's bring on Renato Sanchez. I'm like, okay. The thing is, what we have to remember here is Joel Cancelo is having a terrible game and we need to score goals. Yeah. So, like, for me, instantly I'm thinking, well, put Bernardo in midfield just shift him back and then bring on like Andre Silva, who has like as many goals as Erling Holland this season. People forget, yeah. right? Bring on Joao Felix because you need to link this offensive play. And maybe the players are just gassed. He played 10 minutes last game. Why isn't he the type of guy? The freaking Serbia are trying to play on the counter. You don't think he right. knows how to, what to do against that? Joao Felix <laughs> plays for fucking Atletico Madrid. He knows exactly what to do, right? He's, he's going to press. They're, they keep trying to score, to, to run forward to score because Serbia were playing to win, especially towards the end. And Felix just was left on the bench until the last few seconds. And I'm like, dude, I'm frustrated. And the thing is, I think what really stung me is that I was very upset with the way that Portugal played because they deserved a lot better than a draw. And who knows? Maybe Ronaldo goes out and scores a 1,000 goals against Luxembourg tomorrow just to punish them. Just because he's pissed off. Just because he's pissed off. Just like he did against Kegliari when, yeah. uh, when Juve were knocked out. He's like, you when know Juve what? After this. Yeah. Right. The thing is, like Sergio Oliveira, Sergio Oliveira played um, last week, and I I didn't mind that. I, I like Sergio Oliveira. Like I said, when we're building chemistry and you're trying to put your best foot forward, why are you not playing your 
better lineup against the better team. Because, I mean, come on, just objectively speaking, Serbia is a far more admirable opposition than Azerbaijan. Of course. I mean, Serbia is a, a good team. They're Dude, a they're solid. solid. Team. Yeah. yeah. They're quite problematic to break down. And, and as you found out, and as a lot of teams found out in the recent World Cup, like, they're solid. They're very, very good. To the point where Luka Jovic is only coming off the bench. Alexander Mitrovic, yeah. remember him? That's crazy. This dude's leading yes. it up. He's just bodying the center backs. I'm like, you know what, man? So anyway, to say the least, I was frustrated, but I don't want to get too hung up on Portugal. I still think Portugal, who are currently in second in this group, have enough that they should top the group. And if they don't, like, that's a colossal failure. If Portugal be, have to play in the round robin. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty pathetic. Like, this is by far and away, even objectively, take flags out of it. Let's be the flag smashers for a second from, uh, from uh, the Falcon and the oh Winter Soldier. And just say nationless. Let's look at the group of players representing each of these. Objectively, I think we can all agree. We'd be maybe you have some people who are like, "No, Ronaldo's trash. <laughs> we don't want to have this team. The team's bad." Like, <laughs> okay, bro. What do I nation you're from? We have um, this crop of talent, which is so so elite. And some people, some Portuguese people, consider them favorites. But I think the more important thing is that some non-Portuguese people consider them to be very very strong contenders for Amongst the Euro. Amongst the favorites, at least. Right. Yeah. And, and so honestly, like these games are not games that Portugal should have smashed Azerbaijan. They should have been way more clinical in creating chances. And against Serbia, they should have come out with the same. They shouldn't have come out with the, oh, we got this in the bag energy for the second half because it cost them. And at the end of the day, that's not even what cost them. What cost them was not having goal line technology in the 21st. In 2021. <laughs> I, I, I'm shocked. Now, I, I'm quite shocked too. But I think just to close this up, I think. Portugal suffer from Santos not being able to recognize or to realize what he should do with this much talent. I think in the last tournament, yep. in the previous two tournaments, he, like the squad was suffering, right? It wasn't... Squad that, was nowhere near it as good as it is nowhere near this. Nope. Yeah, exactly. Not even close. So the game plan was pretty obvious for him. And he's a defense and, first coach. And it leads me to believe like, do you know what to do with offensive exactly. players? So, so it's like, in this case, he now has all this talent on his hands, but he has no idea what to do with it. So it <laughs> clearly... He's like, Pep. So he goes to Bernardo and he just takes all the city boys. He says, <laughs> so what does Pep what have did, you guys uh, do? Like, what did Pep, what did Pep do that what one did, time? You, Tell me, Bernardo. What do, I want Ronaldo. Ronaldo's going to be the captain. He's going to tell us all this stuff. But like, what, what do you guys do to like break down teams? Like, <laughs> and then you know what, you know what Bernardo's going to say? Hold on, draw Felix. <laughs> That's how you break down the teams. There you go. Figured it out. Um, anyway, now the theme of, of our discussion here, and we're going to talk about a few more teams here is that I think the biggest takeaway from this is that a lot of the teams that we have high expectations for have been underwhelming, to say the least, right? Spain have been underwhelming, where they were pretty lucky to get away with, like, both of their results, quite frankly. We were like, what's going on there? France are not smashing everybody, and we expect them to. Belgium are somehow... The f- best team in the world. They're called the number one according, team in the world. Yeah, according to FIFA. I don't remember France losing. <laughs> I remember France winning the World Cup. And I don't know. I also remember them beating Belgium <clears throat> on the way there. <laughs> so I don't know where. Yeah, I, I don't know where. Like I, I, FIFA has this weird point system where you're appointed certain. You're given a certain amount of points based on opposition and stuff. But shut up like come on we all know you can't do that right we all know who the best teams are right so if you're just trying to figure out just for oh terms of rankings oh portugal is the third best team in the world why because they're the they won the euros five years ago like 
okay. I, I mean, guess. most recently they won the Nations League. They won the Nations League, right? Exactly. So that's like a more legitimate thing. But most of them, it's like, why is and so the yeah. Belgium one kind of it's a little it bit shocking to me. It doesn't make sense. Now I want to talk to you a little bit about a gentleman by the name of Yuri Tillemans. This is my yes. boy. I'm gonna have KJ on soon, and I'm gonna to talk to him in depth about Yuri Tillemans because I love me some Yuri Tillemans. This is a FIFA scout, all right? This is a FIFA 14. This dude was silver playing for Anderlecht, and he was rock solid. 75s across the yep. board, and he was like 17, maybe if that. And so he's he's a veteran. He's one of those people who has now been around the games. 23 now, who now has like six years of experience playing at pretty good competition right belgium's not a league to write off they're not great but so you know they're they're okay then he went to monaco and then he joined leicester and i don't like to judge like the box-to-box style midfielder that he is based on uh goal output but in all competitions this year 12 goals six assists holy crap i didn't know that what i know i saw the stats yesterday i'm like yuri that's insane Imagine if Vardy hadn't gone cold. This dude, yeah, Leicester's listen. number one tactic is Yuri takes the ball back to net from center half, <laughs> turns around and fires a long ball over the top for uh, for Jamie for Vardy. Sure. And Vardy's gone cold. Uh, bro, Yuri Tillemans could I be know. the next guy, man. Dude, and I love if, me some um, Yuri Tillemans. If Frankie de Jong was putting up these numbers, everyone would be talking about him. And I don't know Frankie de Jong's numbers. He might as well. No, well, he was compared to it. Him. But you know what? Like, even Frankie de Jong, like, he's in a more... He sh- well, he's been playing center back, quite frankly, this season. Now, speaking <laughs> of Frankie de Jong, because I do want to talk about him, I just wanted to give a little shout-out to Yuri Tillemans there. But speaking of Frankie de Jong, bro, Netherlands, they're back down. Again? No. you got to ride this Dutch wave, and sometimes they're here, but sometimes they're here. And r- for those who, who are just listening, hand up or hand down, right? The, the, the opposite ends of the roller coaster. Cool. I, I think so, but if, yes. if I was listening to that, I'm like, wait, what's Ted, this guy doing? I'm here, and yeah. you're here. <laughs> Ted, I need you here. <laughs> Uh, we always have this much fun, not this much fun. Um, the Netherlands are doing poorly. Now, I might attribute this to a new manager, right? Netherlands yeah. were looking very, very promising. They reached the final of the Nations League, right? They were looking like they were coming back up. Kuman was assembling a, a multi-purpose squad that had a lot of moving pieces, but that was, quite frankly, it was fun to watch, right? And then they got a new manager right before the tournament because Kuman's like, yeah, that's all good and well, but Barca are calling? I'm going to Barca. <laughs> and so Group G is like more stacked than we might realize, but I think it's, it's, only, it's only more stacked than we think because Netherlands are underperforming again. The thing is, so are Norway. And Norway yeah. have this crop of talent that is elite and it's like, wait, oh, dude, like, would you get Odegaard and you get the dude from AC Milan? Dark horses. You get some dark horses. They're fourth in their group. I'm like, oh, you guys are behind. And no. Turkey, on the other hand, are up here. Turkey slapped them. Turkey slapped both of them. They were like, dude. Turkey slapped both of them, yeah. Get out of here. The, the Turkey are rock solid. And it's it's weird to see a united Turkey, isn't it? Like, do you remember when Mr. Kerr in science class said, uh, how can Turkey play in the Asian Cup and the, and the Euro? And, yes. He's like, that's double dipping. You can't do that. <laughs> and, and he's it's absolutely so right by the way yeah oh 100 yeah you just choose like how is how is israel geographically in asia but playing in in the euro yeah no one knows that could be tel aviv well, Come i mean on. we know but but we don't know no we don't right? know yeah we just like whenever we don't know for sure we just attribute it to there's no there's no reason like my dad portuguese he used to say um we used to ask him like what certain words were in portuguese just like random words like like 
cauliflower or like marshmallow or right. pie, like just random crap like that. And if he would say that, how do you say this in Portuguese? And what he would always say is, if he didn't know the word, he'd be like, ah, we don't have that in Portugal. <laughs> <laughs> we just don't have cauliflower. No, we don't have that. Yeah, we don't have that in Portugal. And I thought it was just always fish. so funny. Yeah, we, we don't have that. cups. Yep. That's it. Everything. No, sorry. Dad, how do you say this? Yeah, we don't have that. Uh, we don't have it. <laughs> there are none of those. Okay, but surely there's a word for it. Yeah, surely there's, there's got to be a word. They're just so you can bring a bag of marshmallows to Portugal and they're just like, what are those? We have to name these. This is like like a new color for us. Like, what the hell are we looking at here? It's just Captain Holt. It's like an entire country of Captain Holt's trying marshmallows for the first time. <laughs> but in a Portuguese accent as well. It's like, Dude, I could just picture my grandmother, <laughs> who is like super fond Portuguese, just being like, oh, oh. very nice. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> I don't even know how we got on that. I think it's something to do well. with turkey. Well. Have some marshmallows. Marshmallows. <laughs> Getting too fond pork chop on this. Anyway, um, let's go back to this. So group G is pretty stacked. And then we'll go to group H, where Croatia are in third. Croatia's golden crop kind of aged out right and now it might be another 20 odd years before we see the next great generation of of croatian midfielders to really like you know hoist the squad um forward so just on this note of everything we just kind of mentioned here like what do you attribute the these teams being underwhelming to is it that they're you know is it just that it came at a weird time in the season does it have to do with covid is it just that maybe we're in a time where a lot of these top nations are going through squad withdrawals france obviously excluded from that list but where the selection just isn't where they might want it to be? What do you think? I think um, fans are a big part of it because usually you have fans. Mm. And, and when you're in playing internationals, you know, you're not used to playing with these people every week. So, so yeah, like a little bit of, you know, camaraderie and, and patriotism kicks in. But mm. also, like, everyone's, everyone's playing without fans. So then the quality speaks for itself. What I think it true. is... It's, it's raining for both teams. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Those top five ever moments. Yeah. She mad. <laughs> she mad. That's some Arsenal fan TV for you guys. Most of you guys, I feel, would recognize that. But if you don't, there's an Arsenal fan TV. Arsenal yeah. fans are hilarious. But one of them used an excuse as to why Arsenal lost one time because, because it was raining. It was raining. <laughs> and then so the host says, it's raining for both teams. Like, <laughs> how could that be a disadvantage to one? Oh, anyway. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. Go back. Anyway. Yeah. So I think... Um, <laughs> With internationals, I, I, I don't know what it is. I think maybe is it because a lot of people are getting injured at their clubs? Mm. Is it the, the COVID situation? So there's not really much time for chemistry. I don't think it's coming at a weird time. I think we always have international break in March anyway. This isn't out of, like, the timing of it isn't yeah. abnormal to anyone. But it, it's a very stacked and, and busy schedule for everyone. Like, usually the Spanish League and the German League have, have time off. Like, usually those leagues have time off. I don't know. I can't recall that they did that. I don't know. But I don't remember. everyone's everyone's schedule has been stacked, and I think it's probably part of that. Yeah. I mean, God, they're looking for it to be called international break, but <laughs> yeah. it ain't no break, you know? I no, think... and, and a lot of players didn't go. A lot of, like, big players for those countries didn't end up going. Well, yeah, right? and rightfully so, Even which could be England, a big reason to it, right? Like, yeah, you exactly. know, maybe they, you know, excluding some of your top two. T- mind you, Portugal doesn't have that excuse. I think when I look at the Spain lineup, I'm thinking, well, boy, the next-gen crop will be really, really good. 
But of this one, I'm like, yeah, give this four is years. kind of a weird time for Spain, right? Like, give him four years. Ferran Torres yeah. is disgusting. Don't get me wrong, but he's gonna, he's nowhere near what he's going to be. And it's like really there's like Morata's leading the line. Like, there's not like an elite like Spanish striker, right? Like, no, a lot of their midfield is. It's like okay, well, Pedri's gonna be the the next guy, Pedrick and Ilesh Moriba. Yes, I got it. Wait, wasn't it Moriba or is it Moriba? Ilesh Moriba, Moriba, Moriba. I think it's Moriba. But it's Moriba. Yeah. It's more fun to say. Anyway, <laughs> him and Pedri are gonna be the future of Barca and the future of Spain's midfield. We get that. But it's like Ramos is trying to include these new dudes before who have never been capped for Spain before. And it's like, maybe this isn't, you know, Mother España like we know it, but rather it's the new no. gen that hasn't quite taken yet. But speaking of golden generations, this is where I really want to get to, which is England. Yes. Dude, there was a time when England's midfield... England's midfield had Steven Gerrard and Paul Scholes and Frank Lampard and David Beckham and freaking who like you got Rooney up top, Michael Carrick, Owen Hargreaves. Just those are those absurd. were all the midfield options, right? Like, and they didn't so, win anything. And so you're thinking, well, God, if if England couldn't win with this, what is their next crop going to be? Where where it looks like something could be possible here? Well. That time has yeah, come. Heavily stacked <laughs> like, in two in like two different parts of the field like right back and then all the attack options. dude i want to i can't wait to do like we're going to do obviously episodes where we discuss um what you know who should make the the plane for this country's uh you know selection for 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 the euro this yep. summer and i'm really excited to do england's but just said like off the top of my head here this selection by southgate was a little bit weird right didn't you agree like when we sent it to you like yeah, where's like strange. why can't Grealish get a call is it because he's is it still is it just because he's injured or are you still hung up on how you don't want him to be there but Madison wasn't called and Sancho Convenient wasn't called that he's not in, that he's injured <laughs> right and Jude Bellingham was called but it's like yeah but is Jude Bellingham really like the guy that you want to be bringing for England Trent wasn't called despite him no nope. probably picking up quite a bit of form since Christmas, right? Like he was, he had a bad first Absolutely. half of the year, but that isn't still the case. And is it just like, well, Reese James is our guy now. Well, so you're not even going to bring Trent. Like last year, Trent was the guy. And now you're like, right. yeah, not so much anymore. Then you look at the front three or the potential front three of Sancho, Kane and Rashford. And you think, Oh man, like I think that's going <laughs> to be United's front, front three, three next yeah. season, to be honest. But like that's a <laughs> you think we're going to drop more than 150 million on two players? Yep, got a new shirt sponsor, bro. You're hilarious. Got a new shirt You're sponsor. Hilarious. Got a new shirt sponsor. Yeah, same owners though. It's not going to happen. Anyway, that's true. It's a different topic for a different day. <laughs> yeah, it's a topic for a different day. But anyway, I could see it. I, I could see that happen, bro. We could talk about that in a, in a second because there's so many like links here that we could go to the Sancho link, the Kane link. Yeah, you know. I think Foden's earned a place in this 11, quite frankly. But what, what about Jack Grealish? Why can't he get into the freaking yeah. team? Right? What about James Madison? What about James Madison? What about James Ward Prowse? I yeah. like James Ward Prowse. You need listen, in a in a I think in a knockout competition like this one, you need a James Ward Prowse. I think so too. I think him you and Declan Rice guy. are the base. And then you have yeah. the thing is, you're gonna put Mason Mount at Cam, you're gonna put Jack Grealish there, you're gonna put Phil there. These are very, it's very deserving very players. For, like it's a very difficult decision to for to leave one of those people out. Yeah, I, I no kidding. And then it's like okay, they all well, deserve what? it. They all do for sure. So then you get to think, okay, well, England play at a three-five-two. So you're going to really waste another position at center back. 
I yeah. don't know if that's the and answer. They don't have the best center backs, man. No, they don't. They're playing Kyle Walker at center back. Hey, Kyle Walker's a hell of a center back. In a back three, know. Kyle Walker's a rock-solid center back. I understand that. And, you know, Luke Shaw can also fill in that position. He's played left yeah. center back at United as well. Mm-hmm. But In a back three. They don't have the best center backs. They have the yeah. best... They have the best attack, the best attacking options, and the right back options are insane. Are crazy. And they're so wasting England are deep, best dude. positions. Right? Yeah. Bukayo Saka, sorry, dude. I don't think he I don't think he gets in the lineup. I think, makes I think he probably gets on the plane, but where does he play? And then how good is Phil at that point where you're like, because yeah. I think Phil Foden is still trying to shed this academy prospect kind of ring to him, where he's going from, in my opinion. And I think the opinion of many, but I, if not everybody's there yet, I understand from world-class talent to world-class player in like a season, because there are times when he's on the field and you think that city's best player. Like he's insane. Yeah. He's very, very, very good. He's gotten faster. I actually disagree. I don't, I don't think he's, he's trying to shed that. I think he's already done that. Okay. Fair, in, fair. But that's, that's in our yeah. circle, right? And I'm constantly gassing yes. him up. But I mean, like publicly, are people still considering, because realistically, if Phil Foden went for a hundred million pound transfer, people would think differently about him, but he came through an academy, right? So maybe it's not like he's at the level where, where he hasn't necessarily been a starter in city squad and stapled himself in that position to think, well, he has to do it in the England squad. But to be honest, man, like I really like him as an eight. I really like him as a left winger. I just, I don't see Raheem Sterling anywhere in this England lineup. Cause yeah. I don't know. He apparently he's the no. captain, but boy, when Kane gets back, I don't know where he's going. Because yep. he's not—he's not one of the top five best attacking players, quite frankly. And I think Pep is starting to realize that too, because Pep's playing him less and less. He's like, dude, Mares right, and Foden as my wingers are way better. <laughs> Absolutely, you, you have, have to. to. When, when, especially when someone's banging on the door like Foden has been. And actually, I still disagree with you. I think the public image of Foden has changed because I okay. watch a lot of like the YouTube football content yep. with forums and stuff like that. People in England recognize that this guy should be on the plane and should be starting. But it, the conversation then becomes Grealish doesn't start because if you pick Foden, Grealish is not starting. And if you pick Grealish, Foden's not starting. And if you pick either of those guys, James Madison's not starting. Or Mason Mount. Mount's not starting. And you're like, and Mason Mount's got that work ethic, man. But the thing is, there's so yeah. many, there's so many spots to go. I genuinely don't know what to do. I don't know what the answer is. It would the answer it would realistically for opposition is to tell, is to say, because again, what gets you the results is not necessarily what's getting you the the um what the fans want to see, right? So yeah. in other words, look at the Chelsea syndrome playing under Lampard versus Tuchel. Tuchel's like, no, this is the squad. This is the way that we're playing. This is how we're going to win games. Sorry to all those hurt by that's that. That's my point with England. Doesn't matter. I don't. I don't think Gareth Southgate should be should be going to the. Well, to that's any of those that's what I'm saying. In this in this scenario where we have where we're playing a tournament, and England have to select a best eleven. In terms, if it were FIFA, you'd probably play it with a six at, at as Declan Rice, and then two eights, and then two very offensive wingers, yes. and then Harry Kane leading the line. In reality, especially I like what you said about it being in a tournament format, dude. James Ward Prowse is a midfield dictator. And his distribution is better than, quite frankly, anybody else that England has to offer. Listen, this dude can hit a ball. Kick, Not to mention, done. there's your dead ball specialist. Yeah. Did you see the one that hit the post one in, in the game? I saw playing? all of them. He's dude, I was so like, good. I, I, I was like, is this going to be a goal? And he hits the post. I'm like, of course. Of course he does. He can play next to a six, but he's, he, I don't know if he's necessarily box to box, but he's a midfield general. He pulls the strings. He makes things happen. And he's only at Southampton. And I don't want to insult Southampton because... Like I said, I really like Ralph Hasenhuttle. 
And he's the guy to be the orchestrator in that system. It's almost like how Tuchel likes to have like a Jorginho presence or a Kovacic presence to be the general type guy where it's like, no, 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 I don't, even if you can do something else, I need a guy to be like my possession distributor guy. That's, that's him. Then sit, then Declan Rice can be your destroyer. The thing is Declan Rice has his, his idol. He says, bro, I want to be like Yaya. I want to be box to box. I want to be a destroyer. (laughs) And you're thinking, well, damn, if this is a base and you, Listen, with the England back line, maybe you do need to have more, you know, a little bit more sensibility in your midfield because you're going to have Reese James slash Trent slash Aaron Wan-Bissaka slash Kyle Walker slash whomever. And then on the other side, Luke Shaw or Ben Showell or Tariq Lamptey, who would be on, on the right as well, but whoever, as your, as your wide creativity and think, well, maybe I don't need that much creativity through the middle. Maybe I need the middle to be there to protect my back line plus Phil Foden or plus... Jamie, you know, um, right. James Madison. Uh, James Madison. Thank you. Right. Listen, it's all fun and games for us to have these discussions. We know it's going to be Jordan Henderson and Declan Rice. We know it. Oh, I forgot about Jordan Henderson. We know sucks. it's going to be that because it's going to be no, it's sucks. going to be Gareth Southgate. So he's, he's that te- he's be that Jordan general Henderson. type. He's more high profile. And it's definitely going to be Jordan Pickford. Jordan Henderson. So is, I like, no, I don't think it'll be Pickford. I think it'll either be Pope or Henderson. I don't think it'll be Pickford. I think Pickford is has. It'll only be Henderson if if Henderson continues to start for Man United. I don't think it'll be Henderson. I don't think you can pick a, an international goalkeeper that doesn't start at their club. Well, pick it's Pope. Same thing then. that happened with Argent with Argentina. So Pope has to start for me. But I agree. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just don't trust Gareth Southgate at all for these with these selections. Look at look right. at how quickly he picked back Jesse Lingard. And I'm not knocking Jesse That's Lingard. True. You know, I you know I like him. The guy had five any like amount five of form in seven games. He's like yes, and he's on form. But Jesse Lingard hasn't played in two years, mm-hmm. so just the slightest inkling of form, and he goes back into Gareth Southgate's team over some of the people who have been doing it for the entire season. Yeah, that's true, and and I don't, I do want to like dedicate a whole a whole episode to this, quite frankly, because we can really there's debate. So much to unpack. There's so much there. England are so stacked. We didn't even talk about like Bukayo Saka. Or, you know, what Raheem Sterling can do to get in, to get into this team or Jaden Sancho or Jude Bellingham, who I'm sorry, Jude, but you don't get the call just yet. Like, dude, no. you're not there. I actually completely forgot about Jordan Henderson. But yes, realistically, he's going to start ahead of James Ward-Prowse 100%. And that makes me mad. Yeah, and I think, I think it's a blessing <laughs> for Gareth Southgate at the moment that, that Marcus Rashford wasn't available due to injury mm-hmm. because now he gets to try a bunch of things. Dude. So that he can he can pick some of those some of those and at least see performances from some of the big situations or big decisions he's gonna have to make. Yeah, how can you possibly bench Sir Doctor Marcus Rashford MBE? Right, like yeah. that's gonna be a very tough decision to make. But if it's like, well, you know what? Maybe I have my. But he's your pace guy. Like you can't bench him. But then where do you play no. a Grealish or a or a Foden who, in my opinion, like need to be because that's your chance creator guy, right? Like. Everybody yeah. has to have a purpose. You and I have to go through this. We have to, um, we have to do it more it, thoroughly. Yeah, it's than too this. much to unpack for it. For, is. It absolutely to be, is. for it to be thrown with other with other things. Yeah, I agree. I agree, hundred uh, percent. Before we wrap, I want to just talk a little bit about uh, the U.S. men's national team. Mm-hmm. This is a crop for the future. We, we I think everybody kind of recognizes that. Yes. The question is, as of right now what do we judge their ceiling as when you look at some of the stars like captain America with Christian Pulisic, which is pretty nasty. And don't get me wrong. The squad was a little bit divided because they were playing their U23s to try to get to the Olympics. They missed out on that, but they also had their actual squad. 
that was trying to, you know, that's playing in these qualifying games where you have your Gio Reynas, where you have your, uh, where Dust, Christian Pulisic should be playing. Dest, McKinney, exactly. You know, Josh Sargent. Like, a ton, there's, and there's probably a thousand more that we can go through of actual elite level American talent that you're thinking, dude, like, this is one of those nations where you look at them and you're like, okay, where's the world-class guy? I don't know, but maybe they don't need one. They probably do if they're going to win something. But 2026, you know, all these players will kind of be in their prime. You think, well, you know, what happens here? So I want to ask you. You also look at someone like Waya as well coming in. Yeah. And you think, okay, well, what is, what's the ceiling? Like, what do you, what do you project their ceiling to be? Again, it would all have to depend on management. And I don't know who manages mm. this team well enough for them to do well, but it looks like a bunch of saucy, really good technical um, players. And that's not something they've ever had. Yeah, they've had, you know, the Dempsey's, the, the the players like that, but it was never really convincing. You mm. you knew that these were average players playing in Europe's like big leagues. Right. And then the rest of the team was filled in with, you know, players from the MLS and the MLS wasn't anywhere near as good as it is now. Yeah. And even now the MLS is, is a big step behind Europe. Yeah. I, but it's just more that at, places at, in South America, it's more, are we thinking, okay, but at this, at, will there be a point? And I think the answer is yes. Where we look at these elite young players and think, well, how many of them are actually going to be selected from MLS? Cause I think a lot of them will be playing yeah. in Europe. A hundred percent. Because you like France, Germany, they're big destinations for players. And then England, the right? US and, and then Beyond England that. as well. You've got Dest started at Ajax. So, and, and now he's at Barcelona playing with Messi. And then yeah. you saw, saw a bunch of his dribbles coming in from, from the highlight reels. It was, yeah. yeah. His debut goal? Dude. Yeah. Oh, play left back. He's a good player. You don't have to play right back. Play, play left back. You can cut it onto that right foot and phew, yeah. smash it. Do it. So I, I actually think success for this team would be to shake off the the america at the world cup mm. label right i think just be convincing even if you get to the quarterfinals and you drop out to a good european elite team like if they drop out to like germany in the in the quarterfinals yeah. no, no, they, they would have earned the respect yeah but if you lose to someone like like they always do like for example a, a nigeria and nigeria is, is sick well, what was about the last one I mean. they lost to um was it it wasn't costa rica it was uh it was somebody of that caliber which Obviously, yeah. I'm going to forget now. Panama. It was Panama. Yeah. And it's like, exactly. dude, what do you mean? Like, what are you doing? 100%. Right? Like, they so, missed out on the tournament because they lost to Panama. And mind you, that was a different crop. This is now a new generation where you're thinking, well, dude, like, they look good everywhere. And you think, okay, like, these could actually be, like, elite, like, world-class players. But I, I agree with you. Yeah, I think if they get to a point where I don't know how good they would have to be for them to be, you know, considered like favorites of a tournament. But I think if they can just earn the respect of the footy world, uh, it would be job done. And maybe that isn't the the objective for, maybe that is the objective for the next World Cup. But like, I, I don't think they're going to win it. <laughs> you know, like, no. you know what I mean? Like, I don't think they're there, but, no. you know, yeah. I, I think you, I think that's a, that's a fair shot for me there. Yeah. yeah Sh- like shed if, some of the stigma. You- some if you beat like a Mexico and in, in a knockout and then you lose to a France or a Germany, like I said, that's big because mm. Mexico have always had their number. Yeah. And Mexico is a good team. And we've seen that Mexico has consistently been in the World Cup, beating some of Europe's biggest countries. Yep. Uh, the US just have to have to cement themselves as a respectable team that people don't really want to play against. Like, yeah, they'll still be better than them, but you don't want to be it's like <laughs> I think it's they're they're 
trajectory is more like Tottenham's trajectory under Pochettino. It went mm. from, let's come on, it's only Tottenham to Tottenham are a top six team. Like yeah. they're going to challenge for the top four. Like the, that's kind of what the US need to do. Right. Yeah. And then hopefully not crash and burn and then revert back to when we refer to Tottenham's glory days. It was, you know, that two month yeah. span where they were really serious. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I think for something like uh, CONCACAF, for example, they probably yeah. do have to win it to earn the respect, right? Like they definitely mm. need to be in the final or something. Like that crop of players is probably good enough to get there. Yeah, the question is, is it better than Mexico's crop of players or is it just getting more nor- more notoriety where we are because we're part of that, you know, North American and obviously Mexico is too, but like the Canada, US kind of, you know, the media pers- the media capital of the world, yeah. quite frankly, which is like where this sector of North America, um, is it at a place where we can say that if the US beats Mexico in a legitimate like competition, that it's a changing of the guard or is it just that they got the job done that day? And until... I don't think you could say it's, yeah. No, and that's just it. I think that, you know, the changing of the guard only comes when you forcibly take the mantle from somebody and then you don't give it back. And if it's still back right. and forth, then maybe that's the next step. But honestly, I think that that would be... I don't think that's where their expectation should be. I think that they should be trying to aim higher and think, yo, like, listen, man, Gio Re- if Gio Reyna... Gio Reyna, Weston McKinney. I'm just going to use a couple of like big boys as examples, right? Chris Richards from Bayern yep. Munich and, uh, and Christian Pulisic. If all four of them become world-class players as they're projected to become, our squad could do a lot worse than having four don't, don't world-class players. Don't forget about Dest because Dest plays right Dest too, you're right. Yeah, fair enough. Dest yeah. as well, right? Whereas, and Zach Steven, I don't think we'll take the mantle from Ederson anytime soon. But he's a legitimate keeper, right? Like he's no slouch. And you think, yeah. well, okay, well, they got some good areas all around the pitch here where you're thinking you know what? That's, you yeah. know, they got like five or six world, world, like genuinely world-class players in their squad. That's nothing to roll your eyes at. And we can all say, okay, yeah, we call it soccer, but you know, we call it soccer sometimes, right? Like that's just the name of the, the name of the game in, in the country shouldn't be what, what determines it, right? It should be the actual respect the athletes earn on the pitch. And if they're proving week in and week out that they're legitimately world-class players and that they're like, no, listen, we're not here to take part. We're here to take over. That that would be a hell of a story. Dude, by, by 2026, some of these players are going to be Champions League winning players because Bayern are in yeah. it. Weston McKinney's at Juventus. Dest is at Barcelona. Even this year, like Chelsea could be in the final. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. That's next week's episode. I can't wait for yeah, that one. So by 2026, these might be players who have multiple Scudettos, a couple Champions Leagues in their squad. And have like, a winning that's mentality. That's that we could have said. Yeah. yeah. That's true. That's not something that we've ever been able to say about, about that before. No. Now, Canada ain't there yet. Canada ain't there yet. No, now, we can we root for – we like to have the, the alliance, but also the banter with the U.S., right? Like, yeah, Canada versus USA. Woohoo! The fact of the matter is it's good, for, it's good for North American sports when the USA does well on a public platform, right? When the USA does right. well, you know, we're happy about it uh, internationally. And I just want to end the show on this because it's a Canadian show. Alfonso Davies playing left wing? I know, I know. They were playing a trash team. I know. But Alfonso Davies at left wing? Dude! That's, that's where he made his name at Vancouver. He tore it up. This dude went yep. left back, left wing, right wing. He played everywhere in Vancouver. And then for Canada, I think Canada's right to say... And then Jonathan David? Canada's got some players coming up, dude. Jonathan yep. da- if they can... Even Canada, if you got two world-class players, man, 
<laughs> that's some serious thing. And maybe, you know, and there's been countries before that have world-class players, but that never get the shot, right? Like maybe even Norway, right? Like maybe Erling Holland doesn't ever do, or Christian Eriksen, right? Or England. Or Denmark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to pick like one or two stars, but yes, genuinely yeah. world-class. England. Starting 11. 11 a full 11, 11 of world-class players, all of whom are legitimately, <laughs> arguably, one of the goalkeeper, best. Yeah. yeah. One of the best in the world in their position. Arguably the best in their position, quarterfinal, Damn. Yeah. semifinal. Damn. <laughs> but anyway, I just meant I meant to make the point of like a squad could do a lot worse than having legitimately world class players. And Alfonso Davies playing left wing, dude. He got like three assists, dude. He he just looks so crazy. We don't have to wait for them to be Champions League winners. Where to go? We already got one, man. And the Davies one's in the mail. It's, it's oh, yeah? right next to the right nice. next to to um, Lewandowski up here. Bro, the, nice. the jersey wall will be expanding when I move because uh, in the new room, it's like two walls. So I'll be able to like mm. fold it a little bit. Nice. I'm excited. I don't know if I'll be able to fit more. I don't know if it has actual like more wall space, but uh, I'm excited because that means I'm going to re- be reorganizing them. Figure it up. Shuffle it up. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. Woo. All right. That's got to do it. <laughs> Holy crap. It's been a long time. All right. We're probably super heavy into this episode. But uh, I think it was, we've it was got, fun. It was organic. It's been a lot. I of liked fun. it. Yeah, you know what? Some of these, sometimes the episodes like this are are the most fun because the, honestly, they're all really fun. I don't know if we could pick one that the ones that are most fun because the rebuilds are so much fun. But so are the drafts. But yeah. then ones like this where we just come out here and like shoot the, you know what? It's fun, right? Or we're just talking about nonsense and just having fun with it. I love these too because it, they're just what everybody needs to understand is that these are genuine conversations that me and I have that aren't podcast topics. Where we're just like, bro, this is exactly what that's what we call the opening segment bro talk because it's just bro right. talk. it's exactly how it's we we would li- i would sit right here and you sit right there i would have these conversations about nonsense as we're driving home from wherever talking Literally. about nonsense just ranking the high school musical songs like that's very legitimately organically <laughs> us or talking about you know england selection and to be honest it's not outside the realm of possibility that both come up consecutively in a conversation and we have no idea how it segued there we'd be like and speaking also, of englishmen it was england that. Yes. Let's talk about Phineas and Ferb, you know, like it has nothing to do with that. Yep. That's also my avatar on Disney Plus, by the way. I don't know if you noticed the change. I, I, I went from Aladdin to Ferb. I did. I did <laughs> notice. Mine's been consistently uh Perry the Platypus. Well, yeah, yeah. I think it shows us it shows the range that we can talk about these things oh, and dude, then 100%. also talk about, you know, UFC, tennis, just oh bro, Disney 100%. movies. Speak, like that, okay. You know? I was gonna close the show on Davies, but you know what? Since you said UFC. Mm. there's a new scariest no there's always been there's now a crowned scariest man on the planet he's been the scariest man on planet earth for a while but francis Ngannou, i was i had my entire hand in my mouth trying to plug my throat from screaming at the (laughs) knock and i was like "Ah!" i was so crazy yeah it was shocking i I, and i don't i don't know shocking is the right word but i was i was i don't even know what the emotion is to be honest that i felt i was just like It's like watching someone die. You're just like, what the fuck did I just witness? Like, Stephen Miocic got fully decapitated, and he's the best goddamn heavyweight of all time. <laughs> and you're thinking, I don't even know what to make of this. Like, Francis is so scary. And it's the way he went out over yep. his knee like that. I'm like, ah. It folded. He made him fold. Ooh. He did Like a lawn chair. Like a lawn chair. <laughs> the greatest heavyweight champion. He folded him like a freaking lawn chair. That's devastating. Anyway. And it's something that we wanted to see. It's something that we wanted to see in the first fight. And listen, as an African native, I'm really happy that this is happening. Right? Like, I feel like you're like the turkey of this. You could represent Africa. You represent Africa, but you're like, ha ha. (laughs) 
<laughs> Africa. <laughs> like, yes, 100%. Yes, on a technicality. But yes. The Suez Canal. Let's talk about Egyptian politics. Let's talk about Egyptian politics. I had to actually explain to a grade seven student that uh, that was a whole other discussion, but he was talking about um, Africa with some connotations. And I was like, dude, you're Egyptian. And he's like, <laughs> like he didn't, he didn't realize that he was African. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that was the discussion. Oh my goodness. Okay, well, he's, he's just a kid, yeah, right? He's a kid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But that's that's the range in Africa, man. You go all the way from Morocco to South uh, to South Africa. There, it's it's you know, big yep. ass continent. It's a big ass freaking continent. Big ass continent. No kidding. But yeah, it's Produces great because big ass people too. With Francis, yeah, two sixty five shredded. Just oh, Francis man. is a beast. Yeah, you know, technically, as well. Do you remember we were talking about this when I when we were talking? We were watching uh, the last UFC fight. And I was talking about like, because it's, it's always fun to just play make-believe. I'm never competing uh, as a professional. <laughs> but we were talking about um, like weight class that we'd compete in, right? Or they're yeah. talking about, and I'm like, what weight class would I compete in? And I'm 225 pounds. So technically, I'd probably try to shoot for light heavyweight. But like... Stipe, Stipe I, weighed in at like what? 10 pounds heavier than me. Yeah, like 10 yeah. pounds heavier than me. And I'm like, you know, like... <laughs> I, I t- Technically, like I, I'm a heavyweight right now. But like, I see Francis, I'm like... Because you remember, we were talking about, okay, how light would I go? Because a lot of UFC fighters, that's what they do, right? You, you weight cut for a reason because you want to have a bigger yeah. advantage. The, the difference is finding the sweet spot where you don't deplete yourself too much, but you're still like big enough to be a big physical you know, presence in the division. And we determined that according to a Renfo scale that I have, um, it gives you your, your body weight metrics across the board. So how, your body fat percentage, visceral fat, um, your, your fat-free body mass, uh, your water-free body mass, like your bone density, your muscle mass, everything. It gives you everything, your metabolic rate, age, everything. And so it determined that fat-free, like I exist as a 175-pound human with nothing else in me, just, just as naked. <laughs> and so you're like, and I would die, right? Because you, you, can, yeah. you can't exist as that way. And so we were talking about, could I make, why I'd have to compete at light heavyweight instead, which is 205, as opposed to 185, which is middleweight. And I'm thinking, well, if I'm 175 with no water and no fat <laughs> and 10 pounds heavier than that, I'm 10 pounds away from death. <laughs> so I'm like, hmm, I guess I got to go 205 at least. And nope. if I, I guess, yeah. I don't know. You got to go in the middle there. Do you remember, you know how like every time any adult, and we're going to ramble on because why not? Since we're already here talking, why not? Yeah. You remember like anytime you see an adult man uh, in his like 35 plus range. And you look back at pictures of them from when they're in their early twenties, they're so skinny. They're so small. Right. Yep. And you think, okay, well, what happened? Once you reached, that's not even like they have necessarily get fat. They just like fill out more as they get older. They just get bigger. Yeah. And you think to yourself, well, if I'm this size now, now, and let's say I maintain <laughs> similar, body fat person. I'm not shredded or anything, but I'm just, I'm a big, like I'm a big stocky dude. I'm just a solid dude. Right. I can push yep. a car up a hill. Right. Like I'm just a big guy. Right. I got big boy strength, that kind of stuff. I can push a can up the <laughs> So funny. That's an inside joke. I don't yeah, think we can go it's into an inside, that. No, exactly. But anyway, where I'm like, Hmm, I, I completely lost my train of thought to be honest. I don't even know. What, what was I talking about before that? When uh, when people are like twenty ish, yeah. But how big, bro? Like, like by the time I'm in my thirties, yeah. 
like, am I going to have to fight it? Have you hit? Am I just going to be like 245? Am I going to put on Listen, another 20 pounds in the next you need, 10 years of my life? You like, need I don't even get fat. Look at, DC. Mean, look at how DC reacted to yeah, the, <laughs> just the proposition of him fighting Francis Ngannou. Like, and then, oh, no. and then figure it out. His face was, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> Absolutely not. This is an Olympian wrestler who's a decorated yep. hall of famer in the UFC world-class champion in two weight divisions who at the prospect of fighting the current heavyweight champion went nope <laughs> no no thank you not for me it's like, no you were fantasizing that i would fight francis yeah, exactly. i was never doing never that francis, i'm so sorry just on the off chance that he heard the discussion <laughs> yeah it's far far too great uh uh-uh. but anyway that's as i guess that's how we should end it because you know what why not we had a bro talk sandwich we had a bro talk segment yes then our footy and then some bro talk at the end. It's a perfect. But you sandwich. know what it is? It's burger patties all all over. Because we're not we're not doing anything less quality. It's all the meat. Yeah, exactly. It's just meat. We don't have bread fillers anywhere. It's just meat. Don't need them. Don't need them. Oh, dude. How about when people anyway? You know what? People always like to break <laughs> bread, and then they're like, "It's it's homemade, so it's better." And then you know some people just and it's just bad and just trash. And you're like, "Yes, just because you baked it doesn't make it good." Yes. But they're like, no, but I made it. It's just, so it's oh, no, be- it's two-ingredient bread that I put in the microwave <laughs> for five minutes. Okay. It's disgusting. Mm, yum. A clump of flour. Yeah. Okay, thanks. <laughs> this is a dry... Do you have tomato soup? Or anything? Something? Some water? Thanks for giving me fresh croutons. Str- That's what you gave me. Yeah, you like- gave me underripe croutons. <laughs> okay, so they'd be crunchy and doughy. It's like, it's like eating, it's like yeah. eating a, a sponge. <laughs> <laughs> rugged on one side anyway guys that's got to end it for uh, the jersey wall because we could just talk about nonsense for too long but we do have to end the show at some yeah, point save some nonsense yeah we got to save some nonsense for next time this has been episode number 82 of the jersey wall podcast and honestly i think this has been our silliest one is that fair yeah probably I think, right i think that's fair to say our most nonsensical of all the nonsensical bs we like to bring you each and every week this one has to be the most uh, not, nonsensical guys. If you want to see more from the Jersey wall, uh, you can follow us at TJW podcast on Instagram. If you like the show, please, please share us with your friends, share us with somebody who you think would enjoy. Um, of course we see the numbers growing every week and that's because of you guys. So thank you for that. We can't stress enough how much, it, how much we appreciate it. I've been your host, Nathan Santos. You can find me at the Nathan Santos on Instagram and at master chef, Nay everywhere else. Brethren, what about you? I mean, I'm calling 98. Once again, please don't contact me on Twitter. Not like anyone has tried, but I'm not active on Twitter. I'm sorry. You're going to have a <laughs> bunch of stands who are just like, dear Mina, how can we never get back to man? I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's going to do it for us for this episode of the Jersey Wall. Uh, next week, the Champions League returns. And boy, oh yes. boy, am I excited to preview the what? Quarterfinal? The quarterfinal. Yep. Bring back all the quadruple discussions. Yep. Gotta happen. Anyway, we'll talk to you guys <laughs> next time. Uh, take care and thank you so much for checking us out right here on the Jersey Wall Podcast.